Well, good morning, Bridge. I'm Emily James. I'm the pastor of Connections here. And as you can see on the screen, we've been going through the book of James. I love the book of James. It's, it's five chapters, so it's something that you can sort of get through in a pretty good manner. But um, it's also something that has really just is incredibly important for our life. James really walks through a lot of truth, a lot of wisdom that we can carry, a lot of things that God calls us to as Christians. And so it's a great book to walk through together to learn that. How can we journey this life together? How can we live through this life? And so I today have the privilege of speaking from James 3 which is titled Taming of the Tongue. And when I mentioned I was speaking on that to my husband, he actually laughed out loud. So I'm not sure how to take that. Then I told one of the staff member here, who I will remain nameless, and she laughed out loud too. And I thought, oh boy, am I the right person (laughs) to be speaking of Taming of the Tongue for those of us who can be passionate speakers. That's what I'll call us. You know, maybe those, I come from an Italian background, and so we aren't talking unless we're talking at least a volume eight, and we're not talking unless our hands are moving, okay? So those of us who are passionate talkers, you know, sometimes it can come across like we need to be a little bit more aware of our tongue. And so I'm, I'm going to sort of walk through this part of the chapter. Last week, Paul walked us through proving our faith by our works. And today, I'm going to be walking through proving our faith by our words, Okay, and how much power there is in how we speak, what we speak, the way we speak. And so we're going to go through James 1, verse uh, 3 to 12. I'm going to go, or sorry, I wrote that wrong in my script. 3, verse 1 to 12. And I'm going to read through it all, and then we're going to break it down and see exactly what James is saying here in this scripture. So James 3, verse 1 to 12, you can watch on the screens or you can pull it up in your Bible as it is a long passage here. So dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes, for if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. But a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It is restless and evil, full of deadly poison. Sometimes it praises our Lord and Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. 
And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. Does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or a grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty spring. Well, talk about words. James like lays it right out there with his words. I mean, those are some pretty strong passages about how powerful our words are, how much it is important. Essentially, he's telling us this is an untamable part of our body. It almost, as you read it, kind of go, well, what do I do if this is untamable? If you're telling me that this is how much power is in my words and then you tell me it's something that we can't control, But here's what we understand as we've been going through James. So far in all the chapters, and as we continue to read, we'll see that James is writing to encourage the church to live as a maturing person in Jesus. And so when we read these scriptures, we don't read them without hope, thinking, oh my goodness, here's this untamable part of my body. We go, okay, Holy Spirit, help me to use my tongue in words in a way that shows who I am in you, shows my faith in you. And so that's what James is helping the church understand. He actually really wants them to understand how powerful their words are. And so he describes them in very vivid manners to say, this is the power that your tongue has. But as I've encouraged you along the way, you can live as one with wisdom in God. You can live with one that lives out your faith. This is what Paul talked about last week to us, faith and works. And you can live as one who brings life and not death through your words. In Proverbs 18, verse 21. And actually, when you, when you read through James, you'll see a lot of similar passages in James as you will in Proverbs. And Proverbs is known to be the book of wisdom. And so really, this is what James is giving us as well through his chapters. And so it says, Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, the tongue can bring death or life. Those who talk, who love to talk will reap the consequences. This gives us hope that though our tongues are powerful, and James paints this picture for us to truly understand, he does it with the intention of us understanding that through God's work in us, that we can use our tongue for the purpose of life rather than death. So let's break down some of the scriptures that we see here in James 3. First, he starts off, Dear brothers and sisters, not many of you should become teachers in the church, for we who teach will be judged more strictly. Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. Okay, so first of all, none of us get away from this scripture. 
So it starts off saying, teachers, you will be judged more strictly. But something that we have to understand is actually back then, the church at that time had a lot of people who would speak up. It wasn't necessarily set up how we are today, where I'm up here teaching and you guys are here joining me but listening in. It was like a lot of people would actually speak up in the church. They would read scriptures. They would pray. They would have multiple people saying things. And so James is talking to the church. He's talking to a larger group than we think. And if we look at our society and culture today, all of us to some degree have influence. All of us, whether you are leading or teaching or training or developing in your workplace or your school, those of us who have a big TikTok account or Instagram account, every word that we speak is an opportunity to bring life or death. And so this scripture isn't just for those maybe who teach, who we think of who teach here at the podium, but it is for all of us as we listen into what James is saying. In fact, all of us, scripture calls us our ambassadors of Christ. So if you represent Jesus, then your words matter. Then this scripture is for you as well. Why? Because you can show people your faith through your words. So something else to note, when it says many mistakes, in the scripture says, indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we could control our tongue, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. So again, remember, James throughout the chapters is helping us become a mature person in Jesus, mature in. We are moving through this journey and this is, we are growing along the way. And so in other translations, it says that we all stumble in many things. And that Greek word translated stumble isn't just like I stumbled over something, but it's actually something that hinders us from spiritually progressing. And so James here is saying that we all do it. We all use our words, our tongues, our mouth in a way that actually hinders us from growing in Christ, whether that's the words that we say to somebody, whether that's things that uh, we do to sort of direct our lives in the way outside of what God's called us to do, whether that is to condemn or curse someone, we all have made that mistake. And so every one of us as we read through this, myself included, needs to learn the power of what is this tongue and how we can control it. But he gives us a glimpse of hope right off the bat because he says, for if we would control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. So he, again, he's saying to us, as we are growing and maturing in Jesus, this is becoming the maturing and Jesus is becoming more like him. As we do, we let the Holy Spirit lead us and guide us and that includes what we speak, how we speak. He's taught us so far throughout what we learned in chapter one to find joy 
in suffering. He's taught us to seek godly wisdom in our life. And then last week, we learned about how to, our faith, to live out our faith through our works. And now he's reminding us to grow in Christ, to become more like Jesus, to mature in him, we need to have proper control over our tongue. To tame the tongue, we must recognize the tremendous magnitude of the battle that we face. And this is why Paul is so descriptive. Sorry, James. I've been saying Paul from last week. Uh, James, this is why he's so descriptive in his writing. This is why he's so descriptive in telling us the power that the tongue has. Because we need to understand that we need to be intentional about the way that we control this. This isn't something to take for granted. It isn't something to think, oh, it doesn't matter what I say or how I say. James says, no, actually, this is incredibly important to know because it can actually hinder you from growing more in Jesus. And so I'm sure each one of us can understand the power that words have. We've all regretted something that we've said or we've been deeply hurt and wounded by words that someone else used. But we're gonna look at the power that it does hold. I believe that James is is intense and descriptive in his words because he wants us to really heed to what this means. So let's break this down. The power of the tongue, how the tongue is powerful. It starts in verse three. And he shows us that our tongue has the power to direct our lives. Says we can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth, and a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches. Our words have the power to direct our lives, both good and bad. And James is saying, in our imperfect, sinful nature, our tendency actually is to direct ourselves in a very negative way. In fact, I was just watching a video of someone, he was a uh, neurologist, and what he was saying was, we by nature have these things that he calls ants, automatic negative tendencies. And so when we wake up in the morning, often, our na- like, by nature, we want to all of a sudden go, okay, I'm tired, oh, what's this day going to hold? And it actually requires us to be intentional to what he calls stomping out those ants, speaking the positive things into our life. And so how often can we actually direct our life and where we're going by just the words that we say. I have a horse's bit here. This is an actual horse's bit. So my good friend, her daughters ride horses. And so I asked her to bring me one. 
because I wanted to actually really see what it is. So this bit here essentially gets hooked on to what would be the reins of the horse, the strap that you hold on if you're riding the horse, and this goes in the horse's mouth. I'm not going to put it in my mouth because it's been in a real horse's mouth, okay? And these parts go against the cheek. And so as the rider pulls the reins, it leans on the horse's cheek enough for the horse to be controlled. And if you have ever ridden a horse, okay, the last time I rode a horse was before I had kids, before I was married. I think there's a picture there. Yes. So this is the last time, okay, this was probably 15 or 16 years ago. That was the last time and the last time I will ride a horse. Okay, so we were in Cuba on a girl's trip. You can take the picture down now. Uh, we were in Cuba on a girl's trip and we thought, oh, a nice horseback riding on the beach. Yes, that sounds so good, let's do that. And so we went and, and the guy was getting us all ready to go and he didn't speak a lot of English and so he was kind of trying to tell us what to do, but the four of us had no idea. Well, it was a disaster. Okay? Okay, my horse bit my friend's leg, and then she blamed me for it. Like, I could control the thing. And, and then the other horse, one of my other friend's horse, started to gallop, but off the, the path. And the guy turned around who was leading us and sort of started to yell at her, and she couldn't understand what he was saying, and he didn't understand her, and she didn't know how to get the horse back on the path. I mean, it was just a disaster. And why? Because horses are wild. And they need to be tamed and controlled if we ride them. Because by nature, they gallop, they run, they go and do their thing. And so they've created this mechanism that, from my understanding, does not hurt them, but helps to direct them in the way that they need to go. So if they're going off path to the right, they pull on the left a bit, and it guides the horse back. We, at that time, did not have that understanding, and so our horses kind of went off, and, and uh, that day, I vowed to never ride a horse again. But this is true in our own lives. Words that change the direction of our lives. I want a divorce. I quit. Or what about words like, I will overcome this. I do have joy in Jesus. I mean, there's so much behind those words. I know words like I quit or I want a divorce. There's so much behind that. But those words change now how the direction of your life will go. And this is what James is saying. Our words can do that. And so we need to have a Holy Spirit bit in our mouth that helps us, that leads us and guides us. Sometimes this is words of other people. We can let their words sort of direct the way that we would go. A few years ago, back in 2018, I wrote a book. And before I started to write it, I felt like I had this message on my heart. And I kept telling Earl, and I kept saying, I need to write this. And he would say, write it. And somehow it took me over a year to actually put things 
in the computer. I was going to say on paper, but I didn't write it on paper. I typed it up. And you know what it was? Such a silly thing. In grade 11, I had an English teacher that for somehow we just did not see eye to eye. And I was at a parent-teacher interview, and she said to my dad, I would highly encourage Emily to apply for a university or college that has nothing to do with reading or writing. That's what she said to my dad in a parent-teacher interview. And those words stuck with me almost to the point where I felt like I couldn't write the message that I believed God had put on my heart because of those words. If I hadn't written that book five years ago, that would have directed my life in a different way. Second, we see the tongue has the power to destroy. James says it like this, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire, and among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Okay, so true story. There's a lady named Terry Lynn Barton, She was a forest ranger in Colorado. And she'd reported that a fire had started in a campground where she worked. About a week later, she was arrested after admitting that she had accidentally started the fire. This was the largest forest fire in Colorado history. It charred about 138,000 acres, and it destroyed 133 homes. And you know how she did it? She did it with one match. Okay? And you know what she did? I'm putting my fingers really low on here. One match, like that, a forest like that, destroyed 138,000 acres of forest. Because she took that match and she burned a piece of paper from her ex-husband and she dropped it on the ground and walked away. And that one match lit that whole forest fire. We see the power a match can have. Don't worry, there's water in that cup, so I don't start this place. Earl said, just be careful with how you put that out so it doesn't like start a fire. I said, well, that will prove my point really fast, won't it? Or not my point, James's point. And so we see the power small match can have. And this is a picture that James gives us of the destruction that our tongue can have. A few words can destroy relationships, churches, opportunities in our life, our own spiritual growth. What can take moments to destroy takes years to rebuild. And this is what we see in the forest fire. I mean, 138,000 acres of forest gone. And this just was like, they could control it in a couple weeks. So imagine the years it took to build up that forest and in weeks it was gone. When I was growing up, there was a a phrase that we used to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. That's crazy. And it's just not true. And I know as I was growing up, there were some well 
meant adults who would say to me when I was saying that, you know, people were hurtful with their words, they would say, well, say to them, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. Well, it's just not true. It's not true. I mean, I'm sure we can all remember a moment somebody said something that hurt, that destroyed, whether that be our self-worth, something that we felt God called us to do. I mean, our mouths can quickly become infernos. They say it takes five positive words to repeat just to forget one negative word spoken. Are there some word fires that we need to put out? Are there situations or moments that we need to speak life into where maybe we've set a fire to? And then in verse seven, we see it has the power to be deceitful. People can tame all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and fish, but no one can tame the tongue. It's restless and evil, full of deadly poison. And then it says, sometimes it praises our Lord, our Father, and sometimes it curses those who have been made in the image of God. And so blessing and cursing come pouring out of the same mouth. Surely, my brothers and sisters, this is not right. James is showing us here that it's possible to come to church on Sunday and sing praises to God and then drive to work on Monday and call someone an idiot for cutting us off. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. But he's trying to help us understand actually the deceitfulness that's in that. When we curse someone, we look at that Greek word curse means to condemn someone. And whatever that looks like, maybe to their face, but maybe it's behind their backs. Or even when they're not aware. And when we do that, it says that we've condemned a person who was made in the image of God, every single one of us. And yet James is saying, believe me guys, it's easy to do. This is the power that the tongue has. It can be deceitful. It can think we're doing good by praising God, and then that week we treat someone with disrespect and dishonor. But what he's saying here is that to honor God, we need to honor others. When we honor God with our words, it means we honor other people as well. But here it is. We see in the last part that the tongue has the power to delight. It says in the same scriptures, our mouth blesses the Lord, but, then he, al- but he also says, does a spring of water bubble out with both fresh water and bitter water? Does a fig tree produce olives or grapevine produce figs? No, and you can't draw fresh water from a salty Spring. It is possible to be a spring of water, refreshing for people, delighting in God, ourselves. You know, the words that we speak over ourselves are just as powerful. Words we speak to God, to ourselves, and to others. We're going to speak negative thoughts and words over ourselves, and that's going to be an outflow of the spring to other people. And so what James is saying here is that we, it is possible to overflow 
with blessing, delighting in God, ourselves, and other peoples. It's possible to bear good fruit from our words. It's possible to honor God and to show others our faith in Jesus through the way in which we talk to them. In Galatians 5, we read scriptures on the fruits of the Spirit. And those are evidence that God's Spirit is in us, and that's the fruit of our life. There's kindness, joy, self-control, faithfulness, gentleness. Are those the things that our words are representing? Are our words full of kindness, gentleness, self-control, joy? That's how to know that it's God who is leading us. That's how to know that we are taming our tongue when the words that are coming out are a refreshing spring to people. So how do we do this? How do we tame our tongue? Which in James, if we just read it in what it is in those verses, it looks like there's not a lot of ways to control this tongue. But here's the reality of it, and this is what we see in other scriptures, that to tame our tongue, we must do a heart check. In Matthew 12, verse 34, it says, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so there's so much deeper things in our words. Our words are a reflection of what is going on in our life and our heart. And so in order to control or tame our tongue as James is bringing to our awareness, it is to do a heart check. It is to understand what is going on in my heart. If my words are not producing the fruits of the spirit, if they aren't kind and gentle, sorry, and full of self-control, then what's going on in my heart? See, our faith reflects, is reflected through our works. As Paul talked about last week, what we do, and it's reflected through our words. Are we building up or are we speaking death? Are we in a difficult place in life because of what we, the words that we've used? Have we allowed the words of others to dictate how we live? Do we have a lot of broken relationships in our life? Is it because of the way that maybe we've spoken to people? Have we said things that flowed out of a disgruntled heart? But here's three ways, I'm gonna close with this, that we can check our heart so that we can ensure that the words that we use are words that bring life. And first, we need to be accountable to God with our words. This is what James is saying right off the bat. Be aware, know that your words are accountable to God. He begins a whole verse with encouraging us to be aware of that. God hears and knows it all and we represent him and he takes that seriously. Are we gossiping to people? Are we tearing people down? Or are we building them up? You know, the ability to communicate, they say, requires humility. Why? Because in order to communicate well, to speak well to people, we need to have an awareness outside of ourselves. 
We need to submit what it is that we want to say and how we say it to God. I was just talking to someone right before we came in and he says, you know, I always take a moment to pause before I respond. He's accountable. He doesn't want to say anything that might break that relationship that he might regret. And so he pauses for a moment and he submits that to God. He's account, God, help me in this moment to know what to say and how to say it. God, this person hurt me, but I'm not going to return that to them. How can I speak life in this moment? God, I'm about to walk into this meeting. Help me to use my words in a way that will honor each person in there. Ephesians 4 is all about empowering and building each other up, inspiring each other. And he talks about, he's, Ephesians 4 is, is encouraging the church to do this. And this is what James wants us to see is that we need to be people who build one another up to stay rooted in God and his truth so that our words speak life. Secondly, we need to be aware of the intensity of our words. So they need to be accountable to God and we need to be aware of how powerful they are. This is what James is helping us to see. We need to be aware of the words that we speak or even how we speak it. You know, sometimes we can speak true words but the way in which we said it caused that other person to shut down. And so we need to be aware of how powerful they are and how we are using them. And the last one is we need to be slow to speak. Think more, talk less. They say we often listen to respond and not to hear. So what that means is we're listening to that person only by getting ready to say something back to them. But what we need to do, what we see in James chapter one actually, which we went through in the first week, James one verse 19 says, understand this my dear brothers and sisters, you must, be all, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. And so this is what James wants us to understand is that we need to be slow to speak because what we'll do is we will hear the other people. We will listen, we will start to become aware of not just what I wanna say and how I wanna say it and what I wanna get out of it. What does this do to the relationship? What does this do to the person who's listening or the people who are listening? My dad used to say, think before you speak. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it inspiring? Is it necessary? And is it kind? That's what think stands for. True, helpful, inspiring, necessary, and kind. You know, if I'm honest, this passage can seem really challenging. We're presented with a standard to follow, and then it's almost like, how can I do this on my own? But here's what we see throughout scripture, is that when there are impossible things for us, God makes it possible. That's why James encourages us right from the beginning, you can have joy in suffering. To me, that feels impossible. But to God, that's possible. He's saying you can show people your faith by the way that you live. Some days that feels impossible. But when God's spirit is in me, when God is leading me, it's possible. 
And so it's possible for each one of us, for our words to be a refreshing spring, that we can be accountable to God in our words and stop and think, God, is this the right moment to say this? Is the right way? Or how can I build this person up? We can be aware of the power that our words have, and then we can bring life to people by slowing ourselves down and hearing God first. I'm gonna leave you with this scripture today. It says in Ephesians 4, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, he has identified you as his own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. It's made possible because God shows us his love, because God has given us his forgiveness. Because even though I've used words against God, he loves me. And he speaks words of life and truth over my life. And because of that, it's possible as I let God lead, as I submit to him, as I be accountable to him, as I let him lead my life, I can do the same with my words. I can speak life. I can speak truth. I can speak encouragement and I can build others up. And that's true for each one of us here today. So let's just pray before we go back to a moment of worship. Father, we just thank you. We thank you that you have given us a whole book of words that we can understand and know your truth, your goodness, your gentleness. And as we do, Father, as we see those words that you have spoken over us, that we would speak life into others with them. In Jesus' name, amen.